Thanks for joining us. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. You are now tuned in to this episode of our podcast. Today we are going to interview some of the greatest and most influential minds in our field. And now, please welcome your host. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner. It's always a treat, the privilege to have Rabbi Moshe Elephant, Chief Operating Officer of the Orthodox Union's Kashrus Division, with us. He also has the largest online Dafyomi Shir. Usually, when I put Rabbi Elephant on the radio, they think Pesach is in the air. Well, Pesach is not in the air, but we do have him on for time. Talking about interesting Kashrus situations. Rabbi Elephant, welcome back. Thank you very much, and absolutely nobody should go take out their Pesach dishes or pots of pans yet. We have a while to go. We have Baruch Shem the Yom and the Rhyme to come first. We have Rosh Chodesh first. Exactly. So the reason why we invited you on the program, it was some interesting discussion about the OU certification of a product called Harris Roast Pork Sandwich, which has an OU on it. So the question I'm sure does come up is, I'm sure you got some interesting feedback, people saying the OU on something called roast pork sandwich. So what's going on with that? I know the product is being discontinued. It's only for a limited run, but the whole issues I think are relevant because I'm sure this issue will come up time and again, is what do you do with an imitation ham or pork as far as certification is concerned? All right, so it's a very interesting question, and the reason it's an interesting question is because there's no clear-cut answer. We, we give Hasgacha on hundreds of thousands of products and we follow the Shulchan Aruch and what the Halacha tells us may, is kosher, is not kosher, may be kosher, etc. And we have very clear guidelines what to do and what not to do. This type of a situation where the product itself is 100% kosher, but the issue is the labeling, the name, the sensitivities is a much more complicated type of a question because there are so many different views towards this question. There are those that suggest that it's not the place of a cashless organization to make that determination. We should just be identifying and certifying, supervising that the product is kosher and let the closer consumer decide if he or she want to consume that product or have it in their home. That's certainly a legitimate approach. There are those that feel that kosher certification is not just the edibility or the permissibility to eat the food. It's much more. A kosher symbol represents much more than just saying it's allowed to be eaten. And having a kosher symbol on a packaging that, is offensive, is inappropriate. And then there's the third view, which says that every situation should be discussed and decided on its own merit. And the Rabbonim, who give the supervision, should decide, well, this product is particularly offensive, and we should not put our symbol on it. And this product, maybe it's not so appropriate, but it's not so offensive that it should prevent us from putting the OU symbol on it. 
And those are three legitimate schools of thought. Everybody has a good opinion. And our job as Rabbanim is to try to wade through these different approaches and come up with what we think is best. And it's certainly not simple. It's not simple, but here's the thing, though. And if, and this is my opinion, and I understand all the three opinions that you enumerated. But here's the thing, though. If it would have said imitation pork or would have, would have made any difference as opposed to roast pork sandwich, at the end of the day, people see an OU, they know it's not real pork. Anybody who's concerned about kosherus will know that. So what, what difference would it make if it says well, roast pork well, and that, imitation that, pork? That, that, so, so I, I'm going to rebut on two levels. One thing is, it's not as obvious as you think it is. Many people don't know about kosher much. Um, obviously, not knowing that pork is not kosher is, is pretty low level of knowledge. But there are people who are even at that low level of knowledge. And we don't, uh, all people may think that there's something changed. And pork is not pork and it is kosher. Another element to this discussion is, and that's usually even more of a concern than, like you said, if it says imitation pork, it says something that makes it very clear it's not the real thing, then you're right to a greater degree. But then there's the picture. And a lot of calls that we get from consumers, and that's just about you know something like pork, where the question is, is it pork, or it's obviously not pork. Sometimes it's not a non-kosher food that's being portrayed, but actually what's being portrayed is an image which is inappropriate to be on a, uh, together with a kosher symbol um, where people are not dressed properly or there's a message that is contrary to what we believe in. So there's nothing wrong maybe with the food. It could be a regular piece of cake. It could be a regular beverage. But the message that's coming along and the visual that's coming along is highly inappropriate. And is a kosher symbol just saying that it's kosher? Or is a kosher symbol sort of a mark of trust, sort of an endorsement? And should we be participating in endorsing something which we find inappropriate, offensive? But, but here's the thing, though. And and I hear what you're saying, but the fact is, though, how far do you go? Like you mentioned, if a scantily clad woman is on the cover of the potato chips, would the OU take away the certification? Do you do strictly on the product? Perhaps, do you monitor you that? Have you, right. ever had, so, have you ever had a situation so that, like that, that where you had to take where you didn't do it because many times, many times, the 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 products that you and your listeners have never seen, but the labeling were just so offensive that there was no way we could participate. Even though it wasn't a pork product, it was a it was a drink. But it was so offensive, nobody could argue that it was just very, very offensive that we couldn't put our symbol next to it. Now, you know, somebody can make an argument. That's not your business, Rabbi. And maybe it's right. Maybe it isn't our business. But we have been entrusted with a very important and very valuable asset, and that's called the OU symbol. And we need to protect that asset and symbol and make sure that it's dealt with in the most respectable, proper fashion. And again, it's, it's, it's a judgment, and it's not an objective judgment. 
It's a subjective judgment. An objective judgment is, is the product kosher. This is not if the product is kosher. You know, we can review every ingredient and we can review the production and we can have a mashgich to midi there making sure it's 100% kosher, but that doesn't change the subjectivity that's involved in making that decision. Now, what about in some situations where the OU wouldn't put an OU, but just put a K on it? I think some breads that are dairy might have a K and might be still... So that was an, when we began, actually, you're taking me back very, very far back in history. I'm approaching my 36th anniversary at the OU. Happy anniversary. And one of the first contracts, Oh, it's not yet, October 1. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the, wh- one of the first contracts I wrote at the OU was with Arnold's bread. And the halacha, this is actually halacha, this is uh, not subjective. The halacha is that dairy bread may not be consumed. Dairy bread is not to be certified. They had a number of breads that were dairy, they knew we won't put the OU symbol on it because the halacha doesn't allow us to put the OU symbol on it. But what they requested was there are people, maybe even just for regulatory reasons, that want to know if it's kosher. So could we put the K on it and it's not the OU? And we did it. But that's not something that we like to do. And that's something, I, I don't even know if there's even one other exception that we've ever done it with. So because the OU is the OU. It's not, it's not K. And even I tell companies, I've had this conversation numerous times with companies, where companies say, well, we want to be kosher, but we don't want to have the kosher symbol on the product. And we have spent so much time and effort in training consumers to look for the kosher symbol. To go backwards and tell consumers, well, it's kosher, even though it doesn't have a kosher symbol, it's OU, even if it didn't, even if it doesn't have an OU symbol, it's just contrary to what we want to accomplish. And therefore, it's, we, if you want to be OU certified, you have to have the OU on the product, not a K, and not just word of mouth. So before I get back to the K symbol, there's some products that the OU is so small, I have to use a magnifying glass to find it. They really have to go through carefully because I know that there's it's a kosher certification there. So you have a situation where they may not, I'll tell you, they'll put the OU on, but you can't really see it to the naked eye. It's You have to strain yourself to right. find so, it. So that's not, a, that's, not, that's not a decision that we make. That's a decision that the company makes. And that the company makes understanding that you and I, as the consumer, are looking for the OU symbol. And if you put it in such an obscure place and in such a small size that no one will notice it, then you defeated your purpose. And I tried to tell them this, but as I said on your program numerous, numerous times, it's really the consumer who has much more influence than we do. And if a consumer is dissatisfied with the size of the OU or the placement of the OU on a product, they should say so. They should call the company and say, we're kosher consumers. We appreciate that you're kosher certified, but we would much prefer that the, pro- that the OU symbol 
be put in a better position, more prominently, and larger size. We're going to Rabbi Moshe Elephant, Chief Operating Officer of the OU's Kashrus Division. Now, company, you said there are companies who wanted to go kosher, didn't want to put the symbol on the product itself. They could have gotten around that by just putting a small OU, which nobody can find. So that's where they can satisfy their wish not to have it on the label itself. They technically could do that, but again, that would be their decision. But we won't stand behind product without the OU on it. Now, getting back to the case situation, now, in the case of where a pork product that you won't certify with no you, why not put a K on it if it's really kosher? Because that's not, because that's not our symbol. Our symbol is the OU. Our symbol is nothing else but the OU, and we limit ourselves to the OU supervision. And K, if somebody wants to put a K on their product, they should contract a rabbi or a rabbinical group that uses the K. But that's not an option that the OU currently offers. Now, wanna, how, what this, how is the decision process made? For example, Harris roast pork sandwich potato chips bears an OU. However, I believe the impossible pork was approached by the OU to get certification, and it wasn't certified. So how is that decision made where this is okay, this is kosher, and this is strafe, or not kosher? Well, just for the record, you know, I, I think this has been sort of, not heard in this conversation. Not, I don't mean with you. That's the first time you and I are speaking about it. The OU actually removed the OU from that. The OU actually told the company that we don't want the OU on that product moving forward. You talking about the Harris Rose Pork? The potato chips. Yeah. We, we actually told the company that we want the OU removed moving forward. It wasn't a relevant conversation because this wasn't a product that they had decided to continue making. It was a specialty product that they made on a limited basis. They weren't, as I told somebody yesterday, somebody may want to buy it, I don't know if it's still available, and have it as a collector's item. I was just thinking that. Maybe worth some money someday. (laughs) And maybe worth some money someday. A bag full of stale potato chips. Um, But that's the reality. So when we notified them that the next run we wouldn't have the OU on it. They said, Rabbi, it doesn't make a difference. We're not making another run. But the question about how this decision is reached is, is a fantastic question. Because impossible really burger, impossible to ham, you know, no, and roast pork, yes. So what right. motivated you to say so, yes, so here, no, it's here? It's a great question. And the answer really has two parts to it. First of all, as I've been saying throughout this conversation, it's a subjective decision. So it's you know, when you have subjective decisions, it's hard to have consistency. It's easy to have consistency that we say that this ingredient is always kosher and this ingredient is never kosher or this is the way you have to kosher. And that's easily to, that's easy to apply consistency. And one of the things that we as an organization are very, very proud of is our consistency. We have one OU. There isn't different standards for different factories. When you're going to have a subjective decision, it's not as easy to apply consistency. But again, what makes the OU so special is that the OU is not a private business. It doesn't belong to me. Uh, I'm COO, as you announced. I'm not, it doesn't belong to Rabbi Ganak, who's CEO. It, there are a group of Balabatim who are very involved in the OU. There's a president, Machader, 
we in Kashrus have a chairman of a Kash, of a lay Kashrus committee. His name is Josh Penn. There are many, many other Rabbonim and Balabatim who are involved. And it's a joint decision of all of us. And it's just, and I keep on repeating, it's a subjective decision that some of us feel one way, some of us feel another way. And together we make a decision. And sometimes, and sometimes the community embraces our decision. And sometimes the community thinks that it was the wrong decision. And usually is the case. Some people think we made the right decision. And some people feel we made the wrong decision. And, you know, all of us are married, so we're used to being wrong. <laughs> well, but but here, here's the thing, though. Don't you want to have as many products certified kosher as possible? And if somebody sees an OU on it, the, for the most part, if they're looking for an OU, it means that they're interested in kosher. And you, here you're making your mazak of the rabbim. And you know, I said this tongue-in-cheek off the air. According to the Medrash and Shemini, uh, the chazir means to return that one day the pig will become a kosher animal again. So we live in messianic times, so maybe we're getting ready for Ikvisod Mashiach of the messianic times. They say it tongue-in-cheek. But the fact is we're having as many products certified kosher. You have imitation bacon chips. If all kinds, it's not shrimp or it is shrimp, fake. People know there's a whole bunch of fake meats, and you're going to have the same situation with fake meats coming out. And what if it's going to be considered meat or parv? What the status is going to be? This is just the opening of a whole bunch of new things that are taking place, which will challenge the kosher uh, kosher agencies that give certification. Well, and we are constantly challenged. Um, I don't think there's a day. There's a week, and maybe sometimes I could say a day, that these kind of questions, which are, you know, for lack of a better word, the gray area, come up. And For example, there isn't a week that we're not asked to give supervision to recreational marijuana as more and more states are legalizing recreational marijuana. Now, again, an argument can be made, rabbis, if recreational marijuana is kosher, put your symbol on it. And if we, as parents, as teachers, or whatever, feel that our families, our students, should not be having a recreational marijuana, that's, you know, our business. But you should tell us if it's kosher. We at the OU have not taken that approach. We feel that given... And, and that could change, you know, because when we grew up, not when we grew up, it was a year ago, recreational marijuana was illegal. You could get arrested for it. And today, in many states, it's legal. We still feel that a product that has such serious health, can have serious health effects and psychological effects and moral effects is not something that we should certify. In all the OU's years of existence, and the OU has been giving supervision for over a hundred years, we've been asked numerous times to certify cigarettes. And we've always declined certifying cigarettes, and then there was the e-cigarettes, and we've always declined certifying them. The approach being that a product that has on its label that it's unhealthy, it's dangerous, I don't smoke, so I don't know the exact language, the exact nusach on the back of cigarettes, but we know there's a pretty strong warning. So we don't feel that the OU symbol should be 
on that product that it, we're being warned by the Surgeon General, don't consume. Somebody could argue, what's it? You, you just tell us if it's kosher. You just tell us if it doesn't have anything prohibited in it. I will make that decision. I can't say that there's no room for such an argument, but I could say that we as a Hashgacha feel that we should not be participating in any way in promoting the, the, the people smoking marijuana, smoking cigarettes. I remember on your program, um, which is usually Pesach-based, but we get all sorts of questions, as we both know well. Exactly. I got challenged why, why we certify medical marijuana. So, you know, sometimes we get the feeling, but we're okay, but sometimes we get the feeling that we can't do anything right or we can't do anything wrong because every decision like this, not a decision if it's kosher or not, that's much clear cut, much more clear cut. But these kind of questions are not so clear cut and it takes a lot of thinking what to do. And sometimes it also takes time for the community to be ready to accept the product. And maybe 30 years ago, people weren't ready to accept imitation pork or imitation bacon. And today it's so common that what's the big deal? Sometimes time is also a factor. And we, can't, we don't have to be the first one to certify impossible pork. Let it become part of the American diet. We're with Rabbi Moshe Elephant, Chief Operating Officer of the OU's Kosherous Division. But the bottom line is, and this is really the underlying force behind all these questions, is what role does a cautious organization have beyond the certification of the product? Do you look at the environment? I remember years ago, there was a controversy with Glotyak, which was a boat that had mixed dancing, where I believe the certification was pulled because they felt it shouldn't be. And right. That, and right. And, 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 so, right, that's a great question. So our position on that has been and that if we have an open restaurant or an open anything where a person who is following the halacha will not feel comfortable going there, we won't give hashgacha there. So therefore we won't certify a restaurant with his uh, mixed dancing or inappropriate behavior going on, even if the food is 100% glass kosher. That being kosher is not just eating kosher food. Being kosher means that you want to live a halachic life, and a halachic life has limitations, and we can't participate in an environment which is not halachically acceptable. But the question is, how far do you go? In other words, in the case of mixed dancing in a restaurant, if it's the restaurant owner who's providing the mixed dancing, you won't give the certificate. But if somebody rents the restaurant out and has mixed dancing, then you will give the certification. Right. So because then, and as when we're giving supervision to an open place, so we're saying anybody who wants to come there, we're telling you you could come there. And we can't say that you could come there when they're having something so wrong. When it's private, so you could choose not to go to the party if you're not comfortable. I would tell you not to go to that party. But it's not something that we're making a public statement about. And even that, there are limits to what we will and won't agree to. And it's very complicated. 
It's very, very complicated. And as I keep on saying, it, there is no black and white answer, but we have to think about what is the right thing and the wrong thing. Could you have the same situation if you, you know, I know the OU doesn't certify lots of hotels for Pesach, but some of them that they may certify may have mixed swimming or mixed dancing, or you may have a caterer who gets... But we OU. won't certify. We, we, won't, we won't certify a hotel, like you said, we don't really have many, but we won't certify a hotel that has mixed swimming or mixed dancing. But a caterer... So again, but it's a caterer public, does have mixed dancing, right? The, the kosher, the OU. It's a private job. It's a private job, not open to the public. It's the guest of this individual, not a guest of the caterer. The guest of the individual hosting the party. It's a different uh, situation. Now, about a year ago, there was some excitement about another product called Snacklins, which was uh, similar to pork rind chips, but there was they called it Snacklins. And the headlines in all the media was, this kosher pork rind lets you eat the whole bag without feeling guilty. So in a sense, the whole thing with Harry's potato chips uh, that uh, that's pork-based or pork-tasting-based, is it really started then, and this is what happened a year later, right? It's an outgrowth of that. Well, it's not the exact same because you have to also – Look at the bag. If you look at the bag of that potato chip, there's a pork on the bag. And again, what that represents to, to the world of kosher and to the sensitivities of the people from the world of kosher, we felt that having that image and having the OU is inappropriate. You know, I could tell you this has been the subject of a lot of conversation. I could tell you that Many people have called me and written to me about the subject. And we, I haven't taken a tally how many people think we should go one direction or a different direction. But those of us who, who learn know that many times the Gemara leaves us with a taiku, a question that doesn't have an answer, doesn't have a good answer. This is, that, this is, this is the type of question that doesn't have a clear answer. It isn't black and white. And we try to do the best we can. We try to be consistent, to be as consistent as possible, not always as successful as we would like to be. But there's a Gemara that states that for everything that's not kosher, there's a kosher equivalent. So maybe this is the kosher equivalent. Right. So we'll, so we'll, <laughs> we'll give, we'll give the Ashgoth on the kosher equivalent and the non-kosher equivalent let somebody else do. And <laughs> well, the Gemara doesn't say that the kosher equivalent should... Actually, the Gemara and the Shulchan Aruch say just the opposite. The Gemara, a very famous um, rule in Shulchan Aruch, apparently they also were looking for power of milk. And the Gemara speaks about Chol of Shkedim, the Shulchan Aruch speaks about almond milk. And the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, it's black and white, that if you're serving almond milk, at a meat dinner, you have to have almonds next to that milk. So it should be obvious to everyone that this is not real milk, it's almond milk. So we see the concern about people making a mistake it goes back to the time of the Shulchan Aruch. But today where and it's so commonplace, you don't have to do it anymore because it's so commonplace, right? Right, right. that's exactly. So before anybody calls and asks, so where the, where the almonds next to the milk, uh, the power of milk, on the table that at the wedding I attended last night, the answer is exactly like you said. That was only in a time and place where almond milk were barely used. And since almond milk was barely used, people don't think that the milk that they have is almond milk. But today, 
there's so much parved milk available, and many people only use parved milk, allergy reasons, other reasons, that there's no question that if I'm going to go tonight to a meat dinner and there's going to be milk on the table, I'm not going to, for a, for a moment, think that this is real milk. That's why it's not necessary to put the almonds or the soy or the rice on the table. Final question. You mentioned earlier, Rabbi Elephant, that if a company has scantily clad women or some other symbols that are offensive, you won't give certification to. Do you make that part of the contract when a company signs a certification yes. agreement with the OU? Yes, 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 yes we do. The OU leaves the right to look at the label and make a decision that if we do or don't want to appear on that label, by all means. And do you require before the OU goes on it that you see what the label's going to look like? We, we try. We try. It's not always easy, given the hundreds and thousands of products that we certify, but we try to get all the labels before they, before they go into, into circulation. Now, what happens if a company changes label and initially it was kosher by OU standards and it's not kosher by OU standards later on, and they don't want to... Drop if the they search. change the label, they're supposed to show it. Again, if they change the label, they're supposed to show it to us. Drop the certification. Again, it's a subjective question. The product is kosher. They should have shown us the label. We have to make a decision what we should do. And obviously, there are a lot of variables into making that decision. How often has this been happening? There's a conversation. How offensive is the label? Right. In other words, do you Where measure, do you measure the skirt? How do you exactly? How do you how do you ascertain this? All yeah, subjective. Right. So I don't have. We're, 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 we're not doing that. We don't have a morality police at the OU. That's okay. not something we do. <laughs> I was just wondering because we, we don't have I know. We don't have them. It's a very tough no, situation. No, we don't. We don't have a morality. Right. We don't, it's very tough. But you know, and there are certain levels of expectation, and that we would hope that companies understand and that we try to impart, but we don't have a morality police. How, how often does it happen where you reject a product because you don't like the way the it looks? Um, how often do we reject the product because how it, it doesn't happen that often. Now, in the case of Harris, right. what what is the reaction of the person in charge of marketing when you had a conversation saying pull the OU because you didn't? He, like- they were they were they, they were actually very nice about it. They were actually very nice about it, and they understood what the what the they, problems. They understood. Were. They understood the sense. They understood the sensitivities. They understand the culture community. And again, as I said earlier, it really was pretty much an academic question because they were just continuing making the product anyway. Right, Moshe Elephant, Chief Operating Officer of the Orthodox Union. Thank you. Conscious Division has the largest online Duff Yomishir. Thank you for explaining in a very complex situation, a very subjective one, but giving us a taste of what you have to deal with on a regular basis at the OU. Thank you for having us. And as I say all the time, um, and this is just another one of the myriad proofs, we need a lot of Seattle Deshmaya, and hopefully because we service the community, the community, Siat Deshmaya will be there to help us do our jobs correctly. And by the way, let me just say this. I've spoken to people who travel to foreign countries where there's no kosher symbols on probably You've got to go through lists, and they don't appreciate what the OU and other conscious groups has done, where it's easy 
to find kosher products no matter where you are in the United States. It's a big thing. Right. This time of the year, particularly, with so many people are on vacation and taking trips, and more and more people are going far away, the amount of calls and positive reactions get from people, thank you, I, I was in the middle of nowhere, I got stranded, but bar for some, I was able to find a product with the OU on it. Thank you, thank you. It really makes us feel that we're doing something really right. Absolutely. Anyway, thank you. Keep up the wonderful work. Look forward. We're going to speak again before Pesach. I hope so. Meanwhile, have a good time. By Moshe Elfin here on the Talkline Network. Hey, this is Alan Dershowitz. One of the most important Jewish institutions in the world today is Talkline with Zeb Brana. He is so smart and he is so innovative and he has so many interesting guests. I don't know what Yiddishkeit, I don't know what New York, I don't know what the world would do without Zev. So Zev, Yashikach, may you go from strength to strength and keep keep informing us and educating us and keep fighting for Jewish values. Thank you for tuning in to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast, the pulse beat of the Jewish community. For continuous Jewish programs, hawklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the talklinenetwork.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.